Welcome back to American Billiard Radio. Today is September 25th. Uh, I'm a little bit late in the week. Like I mentioned last week, I, I already had an interview in the can, so I certainly wasn't going to let that go by. That interview is with Nate Mendham of the Cue It Up podcast, and Nate is also organizing a big virtual 10-ball event that I will let him tell you more about when we get to that interview. Before we move on to that, a little bit of news. You know, it's been said that when this virus is finally under control and that people are able to come back to pool rooms, that it's going to be like a mad rush of people. Um, I don't know that this is really any indicator, but, you know, we mentioned last week the regional tours are starting to come back. There's even a new regional tour that kicked off in Quebec, which... My understanding is that the the virus is not hitting them as hard as it is here in the States. But the Predator Quebec Pro-Am Tour kicked off last weekend. Uh, no real surprise, Danny Hewitt going through the field undefeated. They have an interesting format where there's qualifiers on Saturday. From those two qualifiers, four players from each one advance to a 16-player bracket on Sunday in a different room. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, you know, Canada has always had a number of different regional tours. They usually seem pretty successful. It's been hard for us to get information on some of those stops, but uh, we didn't have a whole lot of problem with this first stop from Quebec. Uh, other regional tour news, the Peach Hour Northeast Women's Tour, Linda Shea won that one. The DFW Nine Ball Tour, uh, Dallas-Fort Worth area, uh, Jeff Franklin won that. He beat Arizona's Gus Brasino in the finals. A nice little side note on that DFW Nine Ball Tour stop, 68 players in that one. So yeah, they're, they're coming back fairly strong. Um, another good turnout was at the Q-City Nine Ball Tour in Gastonia, North Carolina. They had 63 players. And Stevie McClinton won that one. You know, we, we have so much news. We talk so much about events that are still being canceled. Uh, and this week was a prime indicator with the Atlantic Challenge Cup being canceled. But a little bit of good news. With, with my soapbox rant last week about tournaments being scheduled on top of each other, I was in touch with Mike Zuglin. Uh, just wanting to check with him to make sure that, yes, everything is still, uh, all systems go for the January Turning Stone Classic. And the good news is Mike contacted the casino, and he says that the tournament is still on as far as they are concerned. January 7th through the 10th, 2021, Turning Stone Classic 34. So hopefully things stay that way, and hopefully that tournament is able to happen. Of course, like we talked about last weekend, it would be happening at the same time as a big event in Alabama and a big event somewhere in the world with the World Pool Championship, not the World Nine Ball Championship, the World Pool Championship. In other news, you know, Emily mentioned last week that really as long as people are talking about your event, they consider that a good thing whether they're happy or not with what's going on. If that's the case, then Emily's got to be ecstatic right now because Jeremy announced this week his fifth player for Team USA, 
And that fifth player was not Tyler Steyer. It was Chris Robinson. Um, it's been a controversial pick. Uh, that's That puts things mildly. Chris is, is not as well known as Tyler. Then again, two years ago when Tyler was first picked, he wasn't as well known. Um, they did play a challenge match earlier this year, and Tyler won that one going away. You know, honestly... Tyler or Chris were going to have a tough time. I mean, you're facing a, a team of Kachi, Filler, Shaw, Gorst, and Ushan. Uh, that's a pretty strong team. There's been some posts made online about how young they are and and how they're all over an 800 Fargo with one American player over an 800 Fargo. Really, we've had this conversation over and over and over again. This time of the year when players are picked... People look at Fargo ratings and they say, well, Team such-and-such doesn't have a chance. Usually it's Team USA doesn't have a chance. But again, as it's said, race to five, alternating break, anything can happen. As far as my opinion on the pick, I think it should have been Steyer, but not necessarily for the same reasons that other people might be saying that. I personally believe that when a team wins the Moscone Cup, they should come back the following year. The same players each and every time. And yes, I realize that leads to, you know, let's say the team from last year comes back and they play for the cup again and they win it. Well, you know, eventually that team is not going to be the strongest five players from the USA. And I realize that with Europe and the way players are coming in and out, you know, younger players, that it may not necessarily be the strongest team from Europe either. I believe same five players, eventually those five players not being the best players coming out of a country would lead to turnover between the two sides. It would lead to, you know, eventually team such and such, as they have won it three or four years, those players are not the best, and they were not able to stand up to the, the competition coming in, which was fresh, young, hungry players from the other country. But then again, I'm not matchroom sport. I'm not Barry Hearn, and I'm not Emily, and I don't make those kind of decisions, and I don't know the things that go on to make those kind of decisions. So just my opinion, and I've certainly been wrong before. On the calendar for this week... The Predator One Pool Women's Cup is going on. Uh, that's another one of those ghost events with, with a field of, of international ladies, tops in the game. All the information is available online, and the matches have been going on. The brackets are online. I can include a link to that. Uh, Tour Stops New England Nine Ball Tour is kicking their new season off. Uh, Q City is back in action. Garden State in New Jersey will have a stop. Um, Mac Jankoff has got another event coming up. This one is at Clifton Billiards in New Jersey. And again, that Quebec Predator 9-Ball Tour is having their second stop of the season. So my interview this week was with Nate Mindham. Nate is Cue It Up podcast, amongst many other things. I've talked to Nate a couple times in the past, and I've been a guest on his show. He's got boundless energy to, to put this stuff together, and, and I hope he does, because it sounds like he's put a ton of effort into this tournament. It sounds very interesting. Without any further ado, I give you 
Nate Mindham. Very pleased to be joined now by Nate Mindham. Nate, Nate is the creator of the Cue It Up podcast, amongst other things. Um, how's it going? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Mike? I'm good. Um, so the Cue It Up podcast, you and I have had shows before, and, and you, of course, have had a ton. Uh, I mean, you've really turned that into a major brand. Uh, how long have you been doing that? I actually started last year on April 1st, and I didn't uh, actually realize until about a week afterwards uh, that I started on April Fool's. And it's actually kind of a fun story. I, I made a big announcement, like this grand old thing, like, look at me. I'm doing the greatest thing in the history of forever. And uh, the players from Wisconsin, who I was predominantly marketing the idea for the podcast to, uh, there was actually several people, including one of my best friends, that actually thought it was a joke because I told them I was announcing it or I was starting it on April 1st. Uh, and once I actually dropped my first episode, uh, kind of my second episode. I made one episode basically talking about what I was going to do. Uh, my friend reached out to me. He's like, wait, that wasn't a joke. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> why would it have been a joke? I made a connection later on. So that was interesting. So yeah, um, April 1st of uh, last year was my first episode. And you've done how many? So I'm actually up to 142 episodes as of today, which is actually a little wild to think about a lot of time. <laughs> I, I think you broke any record for number of podcasts in the billiards world long ago. I'd have to go back and look at, at how many episodes Dave did of American Billiard Radio, but I don't think he did 140. I mean, he ran it over a lot longer period of time. Yeah, it, it helps. Uh, I had a, a really great addition to the podcast this year, um, Demetrius Gelatis. And Anybody who doesn't know him, he's a, a pretty muchly a professional player from Minnesota. I think he's, he's like a 735, 740 Fargo type of player. And the dude is just, he's really smart. He has a lot of really in-depth thoughts. He's, he's a big thinker around the game, and he really he's a student of the game. So when we added him, I want to say back in February or March or something like that, uh, I mean, he added just so much content that it, it just makes it, it just made doing episodes so much easier when we, when, uh, you know, we have Rob, myself and uh, Demetrius to really bat around ideas between the three of us. And it, it makes, well, it makes it a lot harder because now we're, now we have like 90 minute episodes. When we started, we were at about 20 to 30 minute episodes and now we're up to like 90 minutes. Sometimes we can go over that. So uh, it's a lot more work on the back end, but I think the content has gotten better. So I, I, I still very, very much enjoy doing the podcast. I don't see any, any slowing down in the future coming anytime soon. Uh, and I'm, I'm still enjoying it quite a bit. And in addition to all of the time that you take on the podcast, now you're putting together another uh, virtual event, the Cue It Up VG 10-Ball Championship. VG is for virtual ghost. So unfortunately, in the world of COVID, uh, there's just, I mean, we had a big event planned in Des Moines, uh, up in my neck of the woods, Iowa, the Midwest Expo. And unfortunately, I think that was scheduled for, a, actually, I think it was supposed to be going on right now. Yeah. And uh, 
Yeah, and that was that was canceled, unfortunately. So, it, I mean, in the U.S. at least, I, I know that there's a couple events that are happening, especially over in Taiwan, um, in the Philippines, not not the Philippines, sorry, um, New Zealand, Taiwan. Some parts of um, Australia are actually having a couple events, and there's a few of them every now and then uh, around Europe. But in the U.S., it, it just seems like we're not we're not quite ready for those bigger events yet. So, unfortunately, this is since since March. I mean, this is this is kind of all we've really had available to us, unfortunately, it's small matchups, uh, small meaning, you know, two players, you know, uh, Joshua Filler and James Aronis was a fantastic match. Uh, of course, James, or, uh, Joshua Filler and Tony Choen, Sky and Dennis last weekend. Uh, you know, these, these are all the kind of the matchups that we've had. I, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, but I don't think there's been a tournament really that's been notable since March? No, there have been, you know, little regional tours that are getting back into the business, but yeah, we're nowhere near full speed ahead yet. Yeah. And, and I would say probably the biggest event we've had thus far was uh, David Al-Qaeda and one sports uh, TV's event that they did virtually. I, I think the, the predator, the, the predator uh, one pool, I think it was, was what it was called. Yeah. The predator yeah. one pool virtual event. And they've got more stuff coming up, don't they? They just did some kind of a four-player thing, and then they're doing a, a, a ladies thing, and then they're working towards another big one. Uh, are they basically doing the same thing you're doing with uh, your event? Well, uh, as, respectful, as respectfully as I can say, I'm doing the same thing that they're doing. <laughs> I, w- I would say that they're, they're, they're the pinnacle of the industry. I'm, I'm a podcaster. I, I'm definitely not a streamer. I just saw a void in what I wanted to see out there in the industry and one sports does so many amazing things. Like I, I can't say enough positive things about David Alcaide and uh, Francisco Sanchez Ruiz and Alberto. I don't, sorry, I don't know your last name. Um, but I, the stuff that they're doing is they're the best. I, I'm just following up with what I can add to the industry, but uh, yeah, they they have a women's event. I, I believe the women's event starts, Certainly in the next few days, uh, I should probably know this as well, but the women event, it just looks fantastic. And then that 10 by four you were talking about, is, uh, that was actually like a pre-sequel to what's going to be coming on. So that's kind of like a, a one match between Albin and uh, Tyler Steyer, Francisco Sanchez Ruiz, and whom, oh, Joshua Filler. And they basically just uh, ran out the idea of what the event is going to be. Uh, and so they're going to be running that, I believe, with... 64 players but that's going to run at the end of october or maybe that's maybe that's even as far back as no i think that's as far back as december i think is when they're having it or i I, i'm sorry i actually don't even know the dates on it (laughs) so i shouldn't but of course you can always go over to their facebook page and check it all out that's where all the information's at and they're they're really the the pinnacle of this industry i'm just trying to put a little bit more content out there where i can to help out get some more content out there yeah, but, you know, I, we've got streamers here in Arizona, and there might be a match between two 650s today and a match between two 500s tomorrow. I mean, you're talking about major players for this event that you're doing. Uh, what do we got? Uh, we had, When I was doing the last write-up, there were three world champions already. Yeah, I mean, I, I could absolutely go through uh, the list of players we have right now. It, it's 
it's I, without trying to get too braggy, I'm <laughs> the fan in me is actually really crazy excited for what is is coming up here. So the players that we've had announced thus far have been uh, Fedor Gorst, uh, Eklanti Kachi, Jason Shaw, Nayuki Oi, Albin Ocean, Alexander Kazakis, Dennis Grabe, Tyler Steyer. And uh, those were the first eight players. We we did like a little, uh, I guess, special announcement for the first eight players. But we've announced uh, a couple of players since. And we've announced uh, Jeffrey DeLuna, Kelly Fisher, Roberto Gomez. And uh, today we actually announced, so this is September 15th, uh, I just actually announced uh, Nick Milaj a couple of, about an hour before we started this interview. So that's the new player out today. We have, uh, I, I guess I can, you're probably not going to release this for a couple days, right? Uh, it'll be a week. Yeah, so I, I can actually give a couple more players just uh, so you can you can get excited about it too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I should say, uh, wish. Oh, I got it. I got to start practicing his name because I'm so bad at it. But uh, wish check. I'm not even going to try his last name. The uh, the, the Polish player. Um, I need to practice his name. I also need to practice another name that is on this, and it's Nick Akonomopoulos. And I'm oh, yeah. pretty sure that was wrong. I, I think that's right. Economopolis. Yeah, I, I, I think I, I need to practice it. Um, so he's going to be announced very soon. Um, we also have uh, David Alcaide, Francisco Sanchez Ruiz. Uh, those, they're, they're slightly on the fence, I think, still. But I, I, I think they're probably playing. Um, and uh, then we have a couple of other players from the U.S. where uh, Demetrius Gelatis, my co-host for the, the podcast, is actually going to be playing. Um, and I guess without getting myself in too much trouble, I probably got to stop there. But uh, <laughs> um, we have 21 confirmed players, or 22 confirmed players as of right now in our field of hopefully 32. How are you picking players? I mean, are you, did you, are you looking for representation from different federations or is it just, hey, here's the project. If you're interested, jump on board. Yeah, I'm I'm so unprofessional. I, I wish I had that level of professionalism where I could go to the organi- the organizers and be like, "Hey, send me your players." But no, it's it's a it's it's a completely just. A lot of these people are friends with me on Facebook uh, throughout the years, and I added a few people. But really, it's just you know people that I. I mean, it's like a good old boys club almost with the way that I approach this. These are the players that I want to see. I mean, if I was gonna write up a, a list of 32 players that I want to see a compete in this. I just started reaching out to those players and um, some of them were, yeah, you know, Nick Milaj, who we, I announced today, um, he's actually changing. So apparently in Greece, it's, it's very uncommon to have tight tables. Like most of their tables are like five inch pockets. They're just huge. And uh, Nick Milaj is like, yeah, we don't have a table anywhere close to the pocket size requirements for this. So I'm actually going to, uh, I'm going to rip apart my table and I'm going to, I'm going to shim it to make sure that it works in this just because I want to play in this. And we had some players like that. And then we had other players that are, you know, they, they kind of strung me out for about four weeks deciding if they wanted to play. And some of them turned into yeses and some of them turned into no. So, you know, we, we've had quite the array of different responses from the players. Generally speaking, it was, it was pretty positive, even for the players that didn't want to play or weren't able to play. They, they still liked the idea. And, um, yeah, I, I, I guess to really answer your question without going too long-winded, I just reached out to players that I like and would like to see in the event. And you mentioned the requirements for the size of the pockets. I looked over the 
the rules that you would put out. I mean, there's a dress code for players. This is this is not, you know, when when we talk about sometimes you see player A and player B matching up for umpteen thousand dollars. You know, they could both be wearing shorts and tennis shoes, but that's not what this event is. And, and no, and it's not. And this is this is. Um, I should have probably given this plug a lot longer ago because uh, Jim Telfer yells at me every time I don't give him his proper dues. Jim Telfer is my partner in this and he has been absolutely fantastic with the credibility um, for the events. Uh, he's, you know, he, he's kind of looked at in, in a one week out of the year as the drunk European fan that constantly screams Europe, but <laughs> the dude has a huge amount of credibility in the industry and with the players. And he really is a smart and influential guy in the industry and, uh, you know, he's, he said from the beginning, and this, this entire idea was actually his idea to start with. And I, you know, I kind of ran with it. And, uh, you know, of course, we're working together. So what we're doing is not just me, but um, really, he wanted this to be a proper event for the pros. And a proper event not only means proper money, but it means proper attire. It means proper conduct. It means proper sportsmanship. This, while this isn't going to be your you know, a world pool masters finals or, uh, you know, the Moscone cup or anything like that. It's, we're not trying to put out a product. That's a bunch of, you know, pool players hanging out in shorts and a backwards hat and, you know, slacks or a cutoff shirt or anything like we're, we're, we're trying to put on a proper event to put out professionalism into the industry. Cause it, it Jim and I definitely, the thing we both agree on properly is that, pool is not represented as well as it should be and could be always by the players. So we really wanted to put out a product that if some random person in, you know, uh, Monticello, New Jersey, or you pick a, pick a random state in the entire world, if they tune in and have never watched a single game of pool or a match of pool before, they can look at this and say, wow, those guys, they look like they're professional. They look like they belong. Not, it looks like I'm watching, a bunch of people bang around balls in their basement having, you know, no semblance of professionalism or anything like that. So that's, that's really the, that's where we wanted to go with this event. Well, and, and in return for the professionalism that you're asking from the players, you're, it's a $500 entry event and you're adding how much to it? Yeah. So it's going to be 500 added for the players which brings the total to 16,000, uh, assuming a full field. And we're adding another $4,000 on top of it, but, uh, w something we're actually doing. So I, I guess that's to answer your question, but, um, if you, if you don't mind me taking it in a different direction, you're fine. Um, what we're actually going to be doing. So every single penny that comes in to the stream, as far as sponsorship dollars is going right back into it. Uh, so, because it's a pool world, generally speaking, we have product as payment and we're basically going to try to take that product and flip it before the event even begins for cash. We are adding $4,000 into the prize fund, but let's say we raise $15,000. What I'm doing with the rest of that money is by the end of the event, what I'm doing is I'm actually going to take that money and I'm going to give it back to the players who didn't cash so that hopefully I can give 32 players a free roll at a chance of $6,000 if we raise. So I'm guaranteeing, I'm guaranteeing adding $4,000, no matter what to this event, even if I have to dip into my own pocket to do it. If I can raise $8,000, we're, 
what I'm doing with an additional $4,000 on top of it is I'm giving it back to those players. So then 20 players won't place, will not get any money. So those 20 players are going to divvy up that $4,000. And on top of that, we are going to be doing donations to the stream where we are going to be raffling out. Oh, wait, this is the pool world. Now I can't say raffle. I got to say razzing um, different <laughs> cues, products, balls, gloves, you know, you name it, we'll probably have some razz for it. And uh, that is how I'm going to pay my team to be able to do this event. So I have a lot of people in the background. Uh, Jay Lattaputty's doing all my graphics. The dude is ultra talented. He's been a godsend for getting out all of these posters and marketing and all that good stuff. So he's been fantastic. Uh, you know, I'll be paying him. I'll be paying my IT staff to help me run the events. I'm going to be paying uh, we're actually going to have referees. So we're going to have uh, two camera angles for the match. So one from the front and one from the side. Uh, I don't know exactly how I'm going to be streaming, whether you're going to be able to get to see both cameras as a viewer or just one of them. I need to figure all this stuff out. Uh, unfortunately, or, uh, I should say, luckily I have two <laughs> weeks to do that. Uh, so I, I guess uh, we're going to have a referee basically being able to watch both cameras at all times. Uh, and we will, if we have to make a call after the match, so we see a ball that is bumped, but we don't catch it right away, uh, and somebody points it out later on, uh, a fan or you know a promoter or something that has to do with the event, we will go back and we will make a call based off of that. Uh, we have professional referees that are certified that are going to be making these calls. I will have to be paying those guys and girls because um, we do have at least one female referee. Um, and so, yeah, so yeah, that's basically how I'm going to be able to pay my team is through donations to the stream. And what I'm going to do with even some of that money is I'm actually going to try to, whatever the sponsorship doesn't pay the players back for all of their money back. I'm going to take some money out of that as well after I pay all of my players. And I'm going to try to add into the amount, uh, difference, uh, to try to, give every single one of the 32 players a free roll at, at basically a $6,000 purse. So that, uh, I know you asked originally <laughs> a very finite and directed question, but I, I took it off on that because I, I think what I, I'm trying to show, I guess, um, I'm not doing an event to raise a lot of money. I'm doing an event to try to help the players and to give them a real opportunity to uh, try to make an actual paycheck for the first time basically since March is so that's kind of the goals of what we're doing with the event. And and what sponsors do you have on board to help make it happen? Our title sponsor, and uh, I probably should have corrected you at the beginning. It is no longer the queue it up of VG10. Uh, it is the Poison VG10. So Kareem with Predator uh, has graciously jumped on board to be the title sponsor for the event. And uh, we so I guess. So we'll start there. Thank you so much to Karim and Predator and Poison to, uh, to offer up that uh, title sponsor for the event. Um, on top of that, we have uh, some great companies out there like uh, Jacoby Custom Cues. Uh, Brandon Jacoby has been fantastic along the way supporting anything that I do in the industry. Um, and he's, you know, he's just been uh, fantastic with supporting anything that I do. So I, I want to give a huge shout out to Brandon and Jacoby Custom Cues. Um, how Tips. Uh, so I've been speaking with Jenny. Uh, Jenny Lynn, I believe, on Facebook, and she is going to jump on with How Cues, and they are going to, they, you know, she's just been fantastic to deal with, so they're going to be a sponsor to the event. And then we have uh, Q-Tech or Rossin, 
or uh, yeah, QTech or uh, Rasan that are also going to be um, involved in some sort of way. Although I, I need to communicate with them a little bit better on how that's going to be, but uh, they've they've been extremely generous as well with the their uh, donations to uh, sponsoring this event as well. So those right now are the sponsors that we have confirmed. Uh, we are currently as well looking for more. We are going to be doing, and we can talk about the format in a little bit, but uh, we are going to be basically doing a different sponsor for each of the pool days. So uh, we have currently two of those filled. So we still have six opening spots for the the sponsorships for those. And it, it, it says on the flyer that you're going to have, it's four-person round robin, and it, it's... It's ghost ten ball. I mean, it's it's break a rack, try to run. What are the specifics of the system? Yeah, for sure. So uh, yes, like you said, it's uh, it's ten ball. It's against the ghost, so there will be a ball in hand um, available to the players. And I guess if you if you break and run, so I guess let's go back to the pools, the uh, the four person round robin. So each day, actually, we're going to get to see four players duke it out in one round robin. So we're going to get to see six matches, one player playing all the other three. And how the scoring works is each of those players are going to play nine racks of pool against the ghost. If they break and make a ball, you have to make a legal break. So you have to make a ball, no scratch, no jumping off the table, and you have to pocket a ball. And we decided to do this, one, because you're professional pool players. Uh, I, I don't care if you're playing in the World Pool Masters Finals, the U.S. Open Finals, or you're playing you know, the first round of the Music City Open, something like that. If you're a professional pool player and you cannot make a ball on the break, you cannot control the rack. And you, if you cannot control the rack, you can't win the rack. So uh, we've had a little bit of pushback from some of the players saying, you know, you're just uh, selecting out for the break. And, you know, it, it's not fair to, you know, some of the players who have better breaks. And my response to that is always, you're a professional pool player. If you can't control the rack, you can't control the break, you can't win. So, uh, I guess that's, I don't have a lot of sympathy for that one because you just, you, you have to make a ball if you want to have any chance of winning in a professional event. So you do have to have a successful break. And then from there, you can take your ball in hand. Uh, there's no reason not to take a ball in hand. So you don't get bonus points or anything like that for not taking it. And if you break and run out, you get one point. So theoretically there's each individual match of a pool. There is a maximum of nine points for nine racks and, Basically, uh, you win your matchup if you have more break and runs than your opponent. Um, and uh, then you get a win or a loss based off of that. So, for example, Mike, if we're playing a rack and you break and run seven racks and I break and run six racks, you are 1-0 and in our pool, but you also keep track of your break and runs. So you are 1-0 and with seven points. Then if it comes down to the end where, uh, let's say, uh, you and I are both two and one, but you have 28 points and I have 29 points. It doesn't matter that you beat me in our heads up. It only matters your overall record and then the amount of points that you have. So I would actually win the pool in that case. And we we decided to do this because we think, we think uh, the amount of racks ran is a better indicator of quality of play as opposed to a heads up match. And that's, that's how we decided to do it. So, uh, I, I know I'm kind of getting pretty ranty. Is there any other questions you had about the format before I continue? No, no. Uh, it, it sounds pretty straightforward. Uh, you know, winning 
winning your individual rounds and then the first tiebreaker is racks ran and and the next tiebreaker is head to head right the next no the next uh tiebreaker is then balls pocketed oh, so okay. on the racks that you did not run out how many balls did you pocket did you break and scratch or did you break and run nine balls and miss the 10 ball so we think that uh, a better indicator of high quality play is also again how many balls he potted so that that is our second tiebreaker if if you're tied on record and on overall breaking runs and then the fourth is head-to-head play if if it gets past those other two and each player from one group moves ahead how because it plays into a single elimination board it does so this is this is actually the genius I think of the way that we're running this. And this was actually an idea by Darren Appleton. So I'll give credit to him there. Uh, We all know it's really hard to run any sort of round robin events in a professional pool tournament because these players are all really good friends. So it's easy for one of them to go to somebody else in their pool and say, Hey, you're eliminated. I'm not. Why don't you just roll over and let me win? And then, you know, we'll work out some sort of saver. And that's very, very, very easy to have happen in the round robins. And it, it happens a decent amount. And that's why I, I can't think of a single tournament in the entire world of pool where there is a round robins type of format. Maybe you can. Uh, in the past, world championships have fed into the double elimination or the single elimination board, kind of similar to what you're doing. But yeah, round robin is difficult. And, you know, I, I see like you were talking about the format that Darren came up with, you know, and part of that is to, to fight the idea of players just saying, I'm done, you know, I'm eliminated. I'm not even going to screw around with this anymore. Is that something you're concerned about? Well, so that was, that's, that's what I think the genius of this format is, is we're not, we're at, we're getting out to the top eight one seeds, of course, all eight of the one seeds. So everybody who wins their pool gets out. But what we're doing is we're also taking four wild card number two seeds. So if Joshua, well, Joshua Filler's not um, announced they're playing in the event. So let's say Eklanti Kachi and uh, Fedor Gorst are both in the same pool. I mean, those are, and for my money, two of the top three pool players in the world right now. It would be unfortunate for them to draw each other. But if they do, they do. And um, let's say Joshua Filler, or, uh, I got to stop saying Joshua Filler, <laughs> Fedor Gorst, wins with a three and all record and Eklanti Kachi finishes with a two and one record with uh, let's say a total of 27 possible runouts. Let's say he has 24 and Fedor has 25, you know, Fedor wins eight to seven against Eklanti, which is completely possible. Eklanti Kachi may have ran more tables than anybody else in the entire tournament besides Fedor. And actually it's possible for, Eklanti to have a two-and-one record and actually to have ran less tables theoretically than Fedor, yet Fedor is 3-0. and So we wanted to reward a player who may have had a tough draw uh, with an opportunity to still get out. So there will be four number two wild cards based off of record and then the, the regular series of tiebreakers. So you won't be able to get out with a one-and-two record. You have to have a two-and-one record, which is going to incentivize playing hard all the way through because if you're one-and-one and and you're playing against, let's say, uh, let's say somebody that's two and zero, and you're one and one. There is that incentive to potentially roll down for that person that you're playing against if you can't catch them in the uh, the amount of racks ran. 
but you still might be able to get one of those number two seeds. So it incentivizes you to play very, very hard because you still could win that match and get out of your pool with one of the number two wild cards. So we are taking uh, four wild cards from the eight pools and they are going to move on as well. And they are going to be playing in a basically four pigtails to get into the, the quarterfinals with the four lowest number one seeds. So even if you win your qualifier, you still are not guaranteed a buy. You still have to, it still incentivizes you to play hard all the way through, even if you're two and one playing against somebody that's 0 and two, the amount of racks that you ran is still potentially going to stop you from getting a first round buy or going to get you a first round buy. So it incentivizes the pool winners to play hard all the way through to not potentially roll over for, you know, their friend at the number two seed who could potentially get a number two seed uh, by winning the match that you're playing against them. So it incentivizes what we think hard play all the way through by everybody so that you can not only get out of your pool, even if you're can't win it, but it also incentivizes the top number one seeds, even if they are getting out, no matter what to play hard, to try to get one of those buys because the difference between uh, you'd basically double your money from nine through 12 to fifth through eighth. So it, it there is a, basically a big advantage to getting one of those buys. And this is, you know, you can hear it in your voice. This is something that you've put a lot of thought towards. I mean, it sounds like you and your team have have discussed the different parts of this and, and really put some thought into it. Before the event's even gotten started, how much time have you got into this? Oh, geez. <laughs> um, so... We were talking a little bit before, and uh, I actually haven't, I haven't been working for about a year. Um, I've been doing this podcast, and more or less, I would say, instead of podcast, I think I, I, think I would like to consider myself more of a promoter at this point than I am just a, a, a podcast. Podcasting is one of the biggest parts of my promoting, but I, I've ran a lot of these events in the past, um, streaming events. We did, what we did was the Queued Up Cup 1 and 2. Uh, where we streamed a, an event live. I've also done lots of live interviews um, on Facebook where I live stream those. Um, I feel like there's a lot of things in the industry that I'm trying to do. And there's a lot, I guess what I'm trying to say is my, my portfolio at this point is a lot more diverse than just a podcaster. And because of that and being smart with my money and landing a pretty sweet job out of college, uh, I was able to pay off a lot of my debts and, and I live a pretty cheap life. Most, just about all of the debts to my name are paid off. So I, I really don't need a huge amount of money, which is good because I don't make a lot of money by doing what I'm doing. Uh, actually very, very little at all, but I don't need a lot of money. So I'm, I'm able to, I guess all of this is really just to say I have a lot of time to be able to dedicate to this and I'm spending probably close to 60 to 70 hours a week currently every single week for the, about the last uh, probably about month of building this event. And I, I do a lot of it myself besides the marketing and then a couple of the connections that Jim brings along that makes life easier. Uh, the, the posters and stuff are made completely by Jay, but uh, the communication with the players, the communication with the sponsors, the typing up of the player's handbook, the sponsor handbook, all this, stuff, most of the work is being done by myself. Um, and I have, a lot of time to do it basically is what I'm getting at. So I have between 50 and 60 hours a week, generally speaking into this for about a month now. Yeah. That sounds about typical. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's uh, 
it, it flies by. I'm, I'm actually enjoying this quite a bit. Um, it's a lot of work when I look back on it, and it's a lot of work for a little bit of effort, or I should say for a little bit of progress when you're communicating with, we've sent out, um, I think at this point, 98 uh, invites to specific players. Um, and we have a success rate of about 20%. <laughs> so a lot of time is managing these individual conversations, um, addressing questions in those individual conversations. Um, of course, you reach out to a bunch of different sponsors and you try to maintain those conversations. A lot of it is it's just nothing more than unglorious bookkeeping is really what it comes down to. And at the end of the day, I mean, I'll work, I'll work, uh, I'll wake up at uh, 7 a.m., 7.30 my time, and I'll work until 6, 7 o'clock at night. And I'll look back on the day and I'll be like, well, I didn't really get much done, except I forgot to eat. So I haven't eaten since 7 a.m. What did I really do today? And I'll think back and I'll struggle to really come up with what I really got accomplished. <laughs> and it's, I mean, I, now I just feel like I'm venting my, uh, <laughs> my frustrations away, but there's, there's a lot of work that goes into little managing of conversations and little bits of bookkeeping here and there that it's a, uh, it's a lot of work. It's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of work to maintain a lot of these conversations and questions and all that stuff. So. Considering the amount of work that you've got into it, considering the amount of work that your, your partners that you're working with have into it, what are you going to consider a success? I mean, what are you shooting for? Is there a streaming audience you're shooting for? I, I mean, it's, it's so hard to to decide how something like this is a success. Yeah, and that's actually a really, really good question. And I haven't really thought about it, to be honest with you, Mike. <laughs> that's a really, really good... Um, I, I guess what I would say, I mean, if, if, if I were to uh, add a little bit of response to it, um, the way that I have this format set up, I'm not, I'm certainly not doing it for my financial gain. Uh, although I, I wouldn't mind making, I'm, of course, I'm trying to make a little bit of money off of this. And I, and I think I'll make, I certainly don't think I'll have to dip into my own pocket along the way to make this event happen. Um, I'm, I'm decently optimistic that I won't be doing this for free and I'll make, you know, a, a sizable, uh, a small sizable amount of money doing it. The way that I have the, the format set up, I'm really trying to take care of the players. That's why I'm trying to give back the entry fees to all 32 of the players, or at least all 20 of the players who don't cash. I'm trying to set up a situation. So I would say if I can run this event, um, not have any big blips on the, the radar where, you know, this was a dumb thing that I did and, um, you know, the, the – well, I, I don't want to – I don't really want to go into any sort of, like, past – discretions that have happened in the industry with things like this. But if I could get through the event where I don't have any big blunders, I'm able to uh, pay all 32 of the players or all 20 of the players who didn't make any money. And, you know, maybe make a couple bucks on the side for myself. I mean, that's, that's the goal of what we're doing here. I, I would, but really I would love to be able to give 20 pool players the opportunity to free roll their money to make $6,000 for the first place for this event. That would be a, an astounding success for what I'm hoping for, I guess. All right. And it's, it's end of the month, but you're still, you're announcing players every day. Yeah. So today 
uh, like I said earlier, Nick Milaj, we announced, um, he was the 13th pool player announced. So we are actually, I guess, two weeks away from the event starting, uh, which is 14 days. Obviously, we're, we're going to have to up it, uh, the frequency of it a little bit uh, to be able to get everybody out. So we'll start at some point in time soon. Probably, probably after 16, we'll start announcing two players per day. Okay, and that's all done on the Cue It Up page on Facebook, which I'll include a link to. Yeah, so every everything from start to finish is going to be ran through the, my podcast page. Uh, the video, or the I guess the event will be streamed for free there. Um, uh, we will also be streaming free to YouTube, so you could also catch any of the action there if you do not do Facebook. And if you do not do Facebook, you are a lot smarter than I am these days. <laughs> I I envy your ability to stay away from this putrid existence of a website. That puts it mildly. <laughs> well, I, I think if you could find one person that's listening to this podcast that disagrees with me, I think you'd be doing well. <laughs> okay, so the announcements, the stream, everybody can find everything they're looking for on the Cue It Up podcast page on Facebook. It kicks off on the 29th about... You know, the first eight days you say are, are going to be the round robins. So how many hours do you think you're going to have of of play streaming here? Yeah, so it's going to be six matches, and you're going to have two players playing nine games per match. So I'm thinking between professional players where we bounce back and forth. I'm hoping that uh, each match takes about, uh, I'm hoping for less than an hour. And so we'll, I'm hoping for about five hours for each of the pool days. If we can get five hours worth of play, um, I think that would be good. Uh, and we set it up. I'm trying to be as player-friendly as I possibly can along the way. And so basically each of these pools are going to play all, all of their matches that are only going to be responsible for one day out of the first eight days. And then if they qualify out of their pool, you'll have to basically play every other day until the finals. So the the 12 the 12 players that make it out of qualifiers is going to get thrown into a single elimination tournament where we're going to start doing actual races instead of a set amount of games. Uh, so at that point in time, those are going to be a lot, a lot quicker because we're only going to be doing two matches a day for those. So the, the two or the four pigtails that go into getting to the qualifiers will only be playing two of the four of those. So I think that those will be, about one hour matches and we with two of them we suspect it'll take about two hours i think i i think we'll have close to 40 hours worth of content just for the qualifiers um and i think we should probably have somewhere close to about another um uh, i guess maybe another 40 hours for the the single elimination bracket maybe something something like that we should have Hopefully by the end of the two weeks for this event that's going to take, we should have about 80 hours worth of good, high-quality content out there for the world. Okay. And in addition to all this, you still have the podcast coming out how often? <laughs> well, when, whenever these things happen, and uh, I mentioned earlier I've done the Cue It Up Cup Part 1, uh, Cue It Up Cup Part 2. Uh, this is not um, actually announced. But there is going to be a queued up part three almost immediately following this event. So there's some, some fun news for uh, insider news for you. Uh, I won't give any information on it, but uh, there's going to be 10, 
<laughs> just absolutely insanely great players for this one. Uh, this actually makes the queued up part two. It kind of blows that one out of the water. So um, that's that one's going to be immediately following this event. So whenever I whenever I do these big streaming events like this, um, I, it, it takes a big backseat. So I released one last week. I didn't release one the week before. Um, and then the week before that, I think I released two episodes with uh, just a, a normal recap episode and then one with Darren Appleton. And so really, really what we do is we announce one whenever there's a reason to announce one. And uh, there hasn't been, I mean, Dennis and Sky played, of course, that was uh, almost two weeks ago now. Uh, no, I guess it was last weekend. So uh, we released a podcast immediately following that. And there's not really anything on the docket as far as matchups now. I know Dennis played um, Rayuto in the last pocket eight ball, um, which I watched, but uh, that one was a pay-per-view and it was, it was a little bit smaller and it was kind of a weird format. So we decided not to do a podcast on that one. But uh, we'll, basically once we have a reason to do one again, we'll probably do one. So maybe the, maybe the conclusion of the women's one pool, I think that would be uh, a fun one to probably conclude. Um, I try to come out with at least one a week, sometimes two. I try to do one, what happened in the previous week, what's coming up in the following week, so that the, the average pool player who wants to follow along with things going on in the industry not only are getting conclusions on what happened and some analysis on it, but they're also you know kind of getting their next clues on to where to look for the next week's uh, events. But there's, there's just not anything coming up as far as content. So uh, we don't feel like we're really in need of putting an event out or a podcast out right now. Well, I'm really familiar with the idea of coming out with an episode when there's news to report. But as I've said before, I'm trying to do better. Yeah, I'm actually I mean, if I, I actually I still think that you're the you're still the pinnacle of podcasts. Uh, pool podcast. I mean, I, I, I'm a huge fan of the work that you do. And then I get a little surge of excitement every time I get to see, you know, a, a pool podcast out there. So uh, I, I know I kind of pick on you and part of it's half-heartedly and part of it's kind of, you know, poking fun, but part of it's actually a little bit serious is, uh, you know, I, I like to see when you come out with stuff and I kind of pick on you a little bit to do it more often. So uh, I, I, I really enjoy the stuff that you do. I still think that you're the pinnacle out there for this. Wow. I might not agree with you on all that, but I appreciate it. All right. Well, it sounds like everything is available on the Cue It Up podcast Facebook page, which, again, I will include a link on the, the show page for this. And I appreciate you taking a little bit of time out of your 70 or 80 hour work week to, to talk to the listeners. <laughs> well, the joys of doing this is I have plenty of flexibility on when I want to get things done. Um, if you don't mind, could I, could I make one more announcement really quickly? Sure, go ahead. So uh, the way that we're setting this up is we're, we're having 32. What we're hoping for is 32 top professionals. Uh, currently, I said earlier, we were at 21 of those. Or, sorry, 22 of those because we just added another player uh, today, actually. But uh, we are actually going to open this up to amateurs if we cannot fill out the, the entire field. So if you or anybody that you know is uh quote unquote an amateur player but just wants to get in the ring with some you know some top professional pool players you can always reach out to the podcast page and uh, we are actually creating a list of players who um, would play in this event if we cannot fill it out with top professional players so if you're willing to pay the entry fee 
uh, and you want to play in this event, I think we have three amateurs that are already on our list, which leaves room for at least seven more. If you're interested in doing this, absolutely reach out to the podcast and you might be able to play with, you know, some of the players that you look up uh, to in the industry. All right. Sounds good. And you're going to get with us again for an episode after this whole thing's over and before you kick into that next cue it up. Oof. There is going to be a one, maybe a two day window between this event and the next one. So I will do my best. Uh, yeah, I will do my absolute best and we'll see if we can, we'll see if we can make it happen. Well, and even if, even if you're not able to be on this show, you're going to have your own show that'll wrap it up so people can get the rundown there. Yep, absolutely. All right. Thanks for your time. And we will talk to you again soon. Yep. Thanks again, Mike. And thanks for all you do for the industry. All right. Thanks. All right. That was Nate. I can't wait to see that tournament kick off. I think with that field of players, it should be very interesting and will lead to yeah, it's virtual, it's it's ghost 10 ball, but, you know, it's it's a cue and balls, and at the moment, as far as top-level professional players, we may not see an event with those players until Moscone Cup, and hopefully Turning Stone. Before I sign off, um, when you're when you're looking for something to listen to, or something to watch, and you've already listened to all of the episodes of American Billiard Radio, and you've listened to all the episodes of Nate's podcast, I suggest PoolScene365.com. That is a local Arizona player, Joey Ryan. Joey has spent a lot of time in different locations playing the game, uh, just kicking off his podcast he has uh, an hour-long interview with Mike Davis. He says he's got, uh, I believe, four interviews done, so he'll be releasing those over a period of time. Um, you know, hour-long interviews, you can get in-depth, and, and Joey's got the chops to, to know what he's talking about when talking to these top players. So again, it's poolscene365.com. Uh, check it out. And this is American Billiard Radio. And that is our show for this week. I appreciate everybody taking a little bit of time to listen. Hope to have something for you next week. And Dave, we are always thinking about you. 